Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Shannon Neiman, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. How many of you were here last Wednesday night? <laughs> so I, I had to go to San Antonio, so I asked my dad to start the series. So you've got a basis then of what we're talking about. Tonight we're going to continue in the study called No Longer Slaves. We're talking about living a free life in Jesus Christ. And the dictionary definition of the word freedom is as a state of being free, or rather a state of being at liberty, not being confined. It's exemption from an external control. Our foundation verse, I'm sure you, my dad went over it last week, is Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. When you study out that verse in the Bible dictionaries, that word freedom right there actually is talking about a freedom from sin a freedom from dominion, freedom from guilt, freedom from the damning power of guilt, freedom from the captivity of Satan, freedom from the curse and condemnation. The dictionary, Bible dictionaries go on to say it is the free use of gospel. It is free access to God with freedom and boldness at the throne of grace through Christ Jesus. And it is deliverance from the fears of death. So Christ came and he set us free. And when he did that, he gave us free use of the gospel. He gave us free access to the throne of grace. You see, we are naturally born slaves. But when we say yes to Jesus, then we are set free from slavery. It is not a freedom that we can attain on our own. It is ours through Christ Jesus and what he did to give it to us. Amen. What's interesting to me in Galatians 5.1 is that if you keep reading, Paul immediately warns us. He warns us. He says, stand firm. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be placed under a yoke of slavery again. Why does he say that? Because he understood that just because I am free in Christ, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be attacked again. You see, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But in the world, there is an evil force, and it is the devil. And he is constantly on a mission to steal your freedom away from you. So freedom is yours. But there is a war raging against your freedom. The devil wants to put that yoke of slavery back on you. So you, my friend, must defend your freedom. If you don't, then the devil will place you back into bondage. I'm sure you've heard the verse. It's quoted all the time in church. It says, it's out of Hosea 4, 6. It says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. To win the war, 
against fear. To stand firm and to keep yourself free to do the very thing that Paul was talking about. You must know the truth. Amen. And the truth will set you free. So over the next few weeks, we are going to learn the truth about fear. How many of you brought something to take notes with tonight? This is going to be a good old-fashioned Bible study. So we know two things. Number one, John 10.10. What does it say? I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So we understand that God came to give us life, the God kind of life, which is the free life. It is free from the bondage of fear. We also know, number two, that 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Man, that verse reminds me of my mom. <laughs> We said that every single day. Every single day. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When you study out that verse, the word fear there actually means that God did not, is not the author of a timid or cowardly disposition or of slavish fears. So God is not the author of timidity. God is not the author of slavish fears. So clearly God did not create you with fear or to live a life of fear. Did you know that science tells us that we are born with only two innate fears? Two. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. As it is today, there are over 2,000 recorded phobias. 2,000. We are born with two, but there are 2,000 classified fears. So clearly, we learn all the rest of the fears. If we are not born with them, then it is something that we learn as we walk through life, which then tells me, my natural thought process tells me, I can unlearn them. Amen? Tonight, I'm going to teach you a little bit about how the world in the kingdom works. There are two spiritual laws in the earth. The first one is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And then there is the law of sin and death. Jared talked earlier about the laws of seed time and harvest. There are laws that function in the earth. So we have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And we have the law of sin and death. Now these two laws are direct opposites. They are like night and day. They are direct opposites. For everything that is found under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there is a spiritual opposite that exists under the law of sin and death. These two laws stand directly opposed to each other. 
They are fighting against each other. They produce opposite results and they create opposite lives. So what does the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus include? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus includes all of God's promises. It includes everything that you find in God's word. It includes blessing. It includes abundant life. It includes eternal life. It includes faith. It includes your new creation identity. It includes peace and prosperity and health and deliverance. It includes protection and the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. And standing directly opposed to this law is the law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death governs the kingdom of darkness. And what happens in the kingdom of darkness, which is opposite of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, inside the kingdom of darkness, there is fear. There's the curse. There's sin and condemnation. There's bondage and poverty and oppression and devastation. There's depression and addiction and sickness and physical death and a separation from God. You see, all of those things that are polar opposite to what is under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The good news is, is that Jesus came to set us free from the laws of sin and death, amen? He came to set us free. So how do we begin to live and experience the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Well, we do that through our faith. How do we live under the law of the spirit of life? We do it through faith. You see, faith is how we experience the manifestation of God's promises. See, when I say yes to Jesus, when I become a child of God, I am granted access to all of God's promises. I am granted access to all of the abundant life. But it doesn't mean that I will immediately experience them. I have to have a faith to believe that they are real so that I can begin to experience them. It's like I walked into a room and on the shelves of the pantry in the room is chocolate and marshmallows and graham crackers and all of the ingredients to make the s'mores, which I love. And just because they're there and I have access to them does not mean that I'm enjoying them. I've got to go over and I've got to pick up the ingredients. And I've got to begin to mix them or make them or put the marshmallow over the fire, right? In order for it to become the s'mores. You see, when you say yes to Jesus and you're living under, you have access 
access to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But then you've got to activate your faith to begin to experience the manifestation of the promises which are granted to you. You've got to walk over to the shelves and pick up the ingredients and start to bake. Does that make sense? You see, faith is what activates the law of the spirit of life. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we understand that there are two laws and that they stand opposite of each other. And if I could give you a mental picture and I would say that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is over here and the law of sin and death is over here, then the next step would be that I would tell you that faith is over here under the law of the spirit of life and fear is over here under the law of sin and death. You see, faith and fear are opposing forces in the spirit world. Fear is the opposing force to faith. They are direct opposites. We understand that faith is a spiritual force. It is what brings the manifestation of the promises. Well, fear is also a spiritual force. But instead of activating God's promises... Fear connects you to the law of sin and death and all the things that come with it. You see, it's very important that you understand how damaging fear can be. Because fear opens up your life to an attack from the devil. It opens up your life to Satan bringing an attack into your existence. So the question then is, is whose voice are you going to choose to listen to? Are you going to listen to faith or are you going to listen to fear? Are you going to listen to, the, to God or are you going to listen to the devil? Are you going to listen to the voice of his promises or are you going to listen to the voice of fear? Sadly, a lot of really good meaning Christians listen to the voice of fear. You see... It's not just enough to say yes to God. You must know and recognize and choose to believe the voice of faith above the voice of fear. You must know and recognize. Hear what I'm saying. You must know and recognize and then you must believe that Satan is a liar. He's a liar. Fear is a liar. The Bible calls Satan the father of lies. All he does is work to pervert what God has created. His number one goal is to oppose God's life-giving promises through fear. You see, you cannot accept fear. That's why we're doing this series. You cannot accept fear. It is something that you must recognize and deal with in your life. You cannot allow it to exist in your life. 
The devil is working hard to force you to be in a position of fear, but you can't. Why? Because it is a spiritual force that stands directly in opposition to your faith. It stands in direct opposition to your faith. If you brought your Bibles, go with me to 2 Peter 1 verse 3. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. I think they're going to put it up on the screen. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have been given access to all things that exist under the law of the spirit of life of Christ Jesus. I love the way that verse reads in the NIV. It says, his divine power has given you everything you need for a godly life. You see, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you are facing, there is an answer for it in God's word. If you don't know and understand his word and truly accept it, then you will give in to the fear and you will not overcome what you are facing. You see, you, the reason we're doing this is because you've got to begin to be on the lookout. You've got to understand that the devil is working nonstop to try to get you into a position of doubt. Fear is doubt in God's word. Fear is doubt in his promises. And if he can get you into a position of doubt, then you will not experience the manifestation of his promises. Let me give you an example. You see, the devil uses fear to play with you, to try to stop you from believing in the word. An example would be like you, you know, you, you're afraid of getting sick. So you start to get a small symptom. And you know what the Bible says, right? What does it say? It says, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. It says, Jesus bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. So under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I am healed. Yet I begin to feel a symptom. And the devil uses the symptom to create a seed of fear. And if he can get me to look and focus on the symptom, instead of looking and focusing on, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus, pretty soon those symptoms rise up as an opposing force to my faith in the promise. Because you see, when I said yes to Jesus and I began to live under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, then Jesus bore my sicknesses, he carried my diseases, and he healed me by those stripes on the cross. But if I can if the devil can get my eyes off of the promise and get my eyes on the symptom, then the smallest seed of fear 
will begin to rise up. And then the law of sin and death begins to have its way because fear stands in direct opposition to my faith in the promise. And if I don't have faith in the promise, I won't experience the manifestation of the promise. That's why this is so important. You have to recognize fear. You have to be on the lookout because fear opposes God's promises. Fear opposes your faith in those promises. And you must choose to believe God's word above all else. Amen. You know, Deuteronomy 3, 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses before you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Isn't it interesting that Paul tells us, look, Christ died for you. He set you free. Now, though, hello, stand firm. Don't let anyone put you back under the law of sin and death. Deuteronomy tells you, I have put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. They got to remind us why. Because there is an enemy in the earth. And he's the father of lies. And he constantly works to bring those lies. And he's constantly trying to get you distracted. All, even in just one small area, he wants to get you distracted so that over here in your health, you'll choose death instead of life. Or over here in your finances, you won't stand firm. You'll crumble to the pressure. And instead of believing that God will supply all of your needs, you'll allow the fear to come up. And he'll shift your eyes away from the promise. And pretty soon... The law of sin and death will make its way somewhere. That's why we must choose life and act accordingly. How do we do this? We do this by guarding our life. Tonight, we're going to go over some of the methods that the devil uses to plant seeds of fear into our heart. Some of the methods that he uses. We have to deal with these seeds of fear. We have to deal with them so that they will not take root and begin to grow and they will not develop vines to where we're all tangled up, right? So the first method that the devil uses to plant seeds of fear into our hearts is through words. Through words. Sometimes words are spoken into our minds through our thoughts through demonic voices. I know there's a lot of people here that struggle with that. Sometimes words of fear are spoken through people. We don't have time tonight to go over the story of Nehemiah, but you know, Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And while he was doing it, a lot of opposition rose up against him. And in Nehemiah 6.19, it says, Tobiah, who was one of the leaders of the opposition, he sent letters to frighten me. Nehemiah's talking. He says, Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. You see, Nehemiah recognized 
that Tobiah was what he was trying to do, and he chose not to fall for it. You see, there's going to be people that come across your path, sometimes even really good-meaning people who are going to say something that the devil is going to try to use to plant a seed of fear in you. There's going to be a commercial on TV, and something is going to be said. You know, like one of those commercials, like have you ever felt those pains in your legs and you're sitting there and you've never thought about it and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I think maybe I feel some pains in my legs. (laughs) Right? The devil uses words (laughs) to plant seeds of fear. What are you saying, Shannon, that you're supposed to go into hiding? No. What I'm saying is you've got to be aware. You've got to guard your life. You've got to know that the commercial about the pains in your legs does not mean something is wrong with you. It's a commercial. Don't let it have power in your life. You've got to know that even the best of friend with good intentions can say something to you that can plant a seed of fear. In fact, you better know that if there is an area in your life that you're struggling with fear, that you better be real wise about who you talk with it about. You better find the right kind of people who are going to take you right back to a position of faith that are not going to good-naturedly walk right into the pit of fear with you. You have to be wise about the words and the thoughts that the devil is trying to plant in you. Let me give you some clues about when the devil is speaking. Words like but and what if and how is God going to do that for you? Look, let me just give you a simple piece of advice. God doesn't talk in buts and he doesn't talk in what ifs or hows. He doesn't say things like, but what if I don't have enough money or what if I don't get healed or pastor prayed for me, but what now or how is the Lord going to do that? Look, these type of questions lead to seeds of fear. You see, the God we serve speaks in statements of completion. Because he has already done what we need. He has already done the finished works of the cross. Amen? You see, how God will do it is not for you to worry about. (laughs) Hear what I'm saying. How God is going to take care of something is not for you to worry about. See, this is a place where a lot of people get messed up. Because they come to God with their need, and then they basically tell God exactly how they want it taken care of. But let me remind you that God knows the end from the beginning. You don't. The how God is going to do it is not for you to worry about. The how is his job. The how is his job, not your job. Your job is to trust him. Your job is to trust his word. Your job is to trust Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, but I know the plans I have for you. 
plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen. You see, it's God's job to do what his word says. It's his job to do what his word says. Don't ever forget that. The Bible says that all of God's promises are yes and amen. It's his job to perform what his word says. He cannot lie. Amen? The second thing that the devil uses to plant seeds of fear into our heart is the magnitude of our need. The magnitude of your need. Look, the devil likes to tell us things like, hey, your problem is just too big. You're past the point of rescue. God can maybe take care of some of that, but probably not all of that. Just be okay with a little bit. (laughs) Go with me to Deuteronomy 20. If you don't have your Bibles, they're going to put it up. I'm reading out of verse 1. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. And do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So when you go into battle and you see the horses and the chariots, When the problem and the enemy looks really, really big. And the people you're fighting are too numerous to count. Don't be afraid. Because the Lord your God is going with you. And he will fight against your enemies. What's interesting is if you'll go down with me to verse 8. It says the officers shall speak further to the people. And say, what man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house. Lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. What were they saying? They're saying, look, it's better for us to be down men if they have fear in them than to go into battle with men who are afraid. Give us the ones who trust in God. Send the rest of them home. They're not even worth taking. Look, you got to be careful. There's an important lesson to be learned here. One of the reasons I think that they sent the fearful men home is because they knew that fear can be contagious. Fear can be contagious. It can be passed from one person to another. So you got to be careful who you hang out with. How many of you know the person who's always the doomsayer? I mean, you walk into the office and they're always the one, right? Did you see what happened last night on the news? 
did you see what they did now? What is going to happen? They base everything they do in fear or negativity. You don't need to hang out with those people. Man, you got to find you some hope dealers. <laughs> and you better get around them. Because fear is contagious, but so is faith. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I'm struggling for something, I'm picking up the phone, and I'm calling Charles Neiman. <laughs> I'm calling Wendy Treat. Why? Because they believe God's word, amen, and they're going to take me to a place of faith. I'm not going to call the girl who's shaking and at home because she's too scared to come out. Be careful who you're hanging out with. Be careful who you're going into battle with. Because fear is contagious. Watch what you're doing, but remember always that the magnitude of the problem doesn't matter when God is fighting for you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Don't allow the devil to shift your focus away from God to the magnitude or size of your need. We're almost done for tonight. Lamentations 3.51 says, my eye affecteth mine heart. The more you focus or look at the problems, the more you focus or look at the size and the magnitude of your need, the more it will affect your heart and your faith. What you have got to do is take your eyes off of the need, take your eyes off of the size of the need, take your eyes off of all the impossibilities and put your eyes on the promises, put your eyes on Jesus, put your eyes on 1 John that says, for this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus and not the magnitude of your problem. And why is that so important? Because when your eyes are on Jesus, when your eyes are on Jesus, when your eyes are focused on the finished works of the cross, then he goes before you, he goes behind you, he fights for you, and be reminded tonight, he already defeated the devil. The father of lies is already under his feet, so there's nothing to worry about. Fear can only be as powerful as you allow it to be. Amen? Amen. Did you learn some things tonight? Listen, we're going to continue in this study over the next several weeks. Next week, we're having the worship service. Before you go, I'm going to pray for you, but I also want to make one last announcement to you. You know, over the last couple of Easter's, we've been building crosses. 
We set them up on the property, and it's really something special. We put about 200 crosses all over the property. If you are interested in being a part of that, if you will come down front, Nicole is going to be here after service. She'll give you the information. The good part about it is that all of the wood from the crosses is donated to Tapestries of Life, the orphanage that we're helping at the end of Easter, and it's a really awesome thing. So if you're interested in that, just stay down here for about five minutes tonight. Would you stand with me so we can pray? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the people who are here tonight. And before they go, I just declare a blessing over them. I say that they are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. That they are the head and not the tail above and never beneath. I declare that as they go forth this week, that they go forth with you by their side, that your favor goes before them, it makes a way for them, that you open closed doors, that you bring divine opportunities, that you are giving them a supernatural grace, supernatural blessing. I thank you, Father, that your angels are with them, that the joy of the Lord abounds inside them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.